Sump City Radio, a Necromunda podcast, is best listened to with headphones for maximum quality and effect. The show may contain profanity and mature content, not suitable for juves under the age of 14. Listener discretion is advised. Sump City Radio. The Emperor whipped the totter than a nomad's ball bag out here. You know, if it hadn't been for someone destroying the mobile studio with the cursed and unsanctioned sonic chaos weapon, we could have been sat exfoliating in the Serra Spire Spa right now. Probably in ridiculously soft bathrobes, listening to Enya or Punk Pipes or some relaxing shit, while sipping on a drink that has no right being as healthy as it is. Instead, because we have to do the repair work on the Roadshow Ridge Hall studio while stuck in a sweltering maintenance garage outside a Stadaris Grace Auditorium. Do you have anything to say for yourself, Steve? Steve? Steve! What? Uh, uh, Nice to see your hearing's back to normal. I said bravo on blowing up the Ridge Hall that we're missing out on a spa day because of this. It wasn't intentional, mate. Look, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, anyway, I hear that the Spire Spa is massively overpriced, so we've probably just saved money anyway. Our brief yet presumably extremely relaxing stay there was going to be covered by the Hertium Guild, Steve. For free. Gratis. Oh. Hosts of Sump City Radio, I bring important news from Salacious Paul. Please confirm identity on the scanner below to begin data transfer. Hang on, hang on. Uh, where's that portable cogitator gone? Uh, uh, ah, aha! Right, okay, yes, sure, the, uh, there you go. Identity confirmed. Data transferring. Data transfer complete. Goodbye. What is it? Uh, well, by the looks of it, it is either the technical readout for some kind of moon-sized battle station, or it's a leaked copy of the new core rulebook for Necromunda. Helmut has balls? How Paul get that? No, it's Paul. How do you know it's leaked? It's got the name James Workshop plastered literally all over it as a watermark. Can he get in trouble if he actually runs the company? Uh, I've no idea. Um, anyhow, uh, tell you what, if you want to take this inside and start having a look, I will wrap up the rest of the bodywork out here. Uh, I think that's the least I can do, really. Uh, yeah, fair one. Right, thank you. And Signal is live. Hello, listeners, and welcome to a special 23rd broadcast from Sum City Radio. I, as always, am Chris Underhiver Iden, and Steve, as always, is a twat. <laughs> Hence, for his sins, he's currently outside completing some essential repairs to the Roadshow Mobile Studio. Anyhow, whilst he's wrapping up, let me tell you what I've been up to since the last broadcast, which was, in fact, not long ago, so it's not very much. Right, well, I've been working on uh, Webgun Augmech for my band Sargang, ready to take to Sumpcon. Um, 
and I've been giving him some McFarlane style spaghetti webs uh, and he's like hanging from a piece of wall uh, I've basically started repainting my entire Van Sargon getting them nice and uh, up to date and fresh and ready uh, my brother bought me uh, an airbrush for my birthday so I've been playing with that uh, and having great fun with it and uh, a good friend is sending me um, the DeLorean, Orc DeLorean from Puppets War um, to accompany my Orc Batmobile. So, yeah, not a great deal, but a little bit. So, in between repair shifts, have you managed to do any hobby-related work, Steve? Uh, not really, although I can confirm that I have been talking with some companies who are interested in supporting SumpCon with prizes and, fingers crossed, some other surprises. Uh, the ones I can confirm at this time, though, is that uh, Versatile Terrain has sent me some prize vouchers for their website. Uh, still my favourite place to go for nameplates and so on. And, yeah, so he was first on the, the bandwagon last year as well. So, yeah, thank you very much, Keith Ribbon, for, for sorting that out for us. Additionally, I can confirm that Art of War Studios have sent us some of their amazing acrylic tokens and laser-cut MDF to give away as prizes. So thank you very much to Grant, who's made that possible. But wait, there's more. I can also confirm that at this point, that friend of SCR, and no stranger to the community, Cole Johnston, has said that he'll be donating some goodies to be given away at SumpCon as well. God bless him. Um, tickets for SumpCon itself are also very much sold out now, but people can contact Tabletop Events to go onto a cancellations waiting list just in case someone can't make it but that is really about it for me i mean to be fair it's also been a very short time since the last episode well that's awesome news about some con but mate seriously i've just had a quick look at this uh file here and i think it's genuine so mm. i reckon we need to get another broadcast out oh right already but well yeah i mean if you want to stay relevant people need to know about this news like right now Good point. Uh, we can't be doing another episode six months from now talking about it. So, yeah, I guess we better bash one together uh, and put a show on pretty quick. So, what should we do for this episode? <laughs> uh, well, first up, we'd better see if we can play for some time by getting a signal from the Tomy and Scrofulous. Uh, after that, maybe squeezing a quick hot in the hive. Uh, yeah, could do. Uh, throw in some songs for the Spotify listeners and then follow up with a review of the book. Nice, and maybe read out this letter we got sent to finish. Yeah, that'd work. Right, uh, let's see if we can find a signal from Hive Primus and pass these scummers off over to Natomi and Scrofulous. <laughs> oh, mate! That's fucking classic! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Me? Oh, not too bad, all things considered. I uh, still got what's left of me brain intact. Uh, got all my limbs working reasonably well. Now I was able to get back into the atmospheric station pretty quickly after the uh, great darkness. <laughs> great darkness, my ass. We've been living down here in the dark for what forever, anyhow. Ain't nothing new to us down here. Yep, yeah, yeah, still working for Ertsy and Gil doing an atmospherics gig. Yeah. Mate, I've done dome running, trust me. There's far worse jobs I could be doing for a scratch. It's just a shame the scratch is pathetic. 
Oh, oh, you heard the pub tail, did you? How'd it sound? Oh, thanks. Yeah. Actually had a reasonable response. Fingers crossed, the Ertzian Guild will actually listen to the scummers and uh, start patting my creds up a bit. Hang, hang, on, hang on a sec, mate. What? Oh, for fuck's sake! Mate, I've got to go. I'll box you later, yeah? Oh, fuck. Okay. Oh, bloody unsanctioned transmissions. Hi, scammers. I'm the Tommy Skelter, and this is a bloody unannounced transmission from a pair of plums. So, I don't know. The suburb city is still being rebuilt. People are still struggling for housing. Atmospherics are warm, then wet, then cold, then warm and wet, and then cold and wet, and then dry. Rinse and repeat. Outside, in the waste, it's hot. Nothing changes there. Also ashy, nothing new. Sorry for the simplicity of this report, but you didn't realise how long it takes to put this shit together. What the fuck is Steve and Chris playing at? putting through a transmission only two bloody weeks after the last transmission. Fuck's sake. I'm not even going to quippy scavengers line worked out for you. Duh. Duh. Oh! <laughs> Good news for scavengers. You could get out of an unwanted transmission if you just pass them over to the next poor bastard and let them deal with it. Sorry, scruffy. Aye, so then you got that crazy bastard upstairs telling everyone everything's okay and the fact that people are freezing to death is because we don't believe in Necromonda hard enough. Can you believe that? Fucking nobility boils my pish. That's not to mention that fucker in the waste declaring war on the elite. War on the elite! And you go by the title lady. I mean, I just can't report this shit without a good belly full of second best. It's impossible. Three, two, one, and you're live. Fuck, what? Er, uh, uh, thank you, Nertomi. Very fucking much. On today's show, rogue docs report an alarming rise in serious injury and flesh wound cases. Gun manufacturers are facing scrutiny from unhappy customers who are experiencing a spate of exploding weaponry. More on these stories as they develop. This is Scrofulous Pile reporting for Sub City Radio. Back to the studio. Right, get me those bastards on comms right now. It's Sub City Radio. Okay, listeners, welcome back. Thank you very much, Natomi and Scrofulous. Uh, up next is Hot in the Hive. Hot in the Hive. <coughs> this segment is lit. 
So, uh, Hot in the High, for those that are unfamiliar, is our segment where we talk about all the latest releases, leaks, community work, articles, blog posts, videos, and podcasts, and so on. Uh, now, obviously, this is going to be a pretty short one, because we've only very, very recently put out a broadcast, which is, you know, completely th- the opposite of the break that we had last time. So, there is literally one official article that has been put out in the short time between then and now, uh, which was uh, for the Warhammer community on the 12th of July, with the seven best innovations in the new Necromunda rulebook. Um, so this is obviously relevant to what it is we're going to be talking about shortly. I suspect that possibly after we've recorded this and before you actually get this transmission, there might be another article out. That's just a gut feeling that I personally have as to how this is going to go, but you know we'll report on that next time. So, uh, the seven best innovations in the new Necromunda rulebook. Chris, what did we spot in here? Right, okay, so obviously we've got the fact that um, serious injury dice now in for flesh wounds as well, Mm. which is quite a biggie, and the community lost its collective shit at the fact that a rapid-fire bolter could take you from standing and ready to go to dead in a single roll, (laughs) which is just awesome. (laughs) Also, the book itself, because this is the first time that everybody else had heard about the book, so... uh... Yeah, it was really nice to get people's reactions, because that's something, when we do get sent stuff early, whether that's by Paul nefariously or officially through the uh, the proper channels <laughs> um, yeah sometimes we're reacting to it and not really sure how the community is going to feel um, I think it's quite clear that there's a big old split down the middle you've got that one contingency of people who just think everything's shit and pointless and why bother and then the other guys who are just like <laughs> yeah more Monday give me more give me more but I think generally the consensus is positive, positive the reaction yeah, to it yeah um, I, I would say the same thing. You, you, it's the same group of people that are in a very sort of Monty Python-esque vein. They're just standing around with placards saying, why more books? Why more books? Why more books like that? And then they, they this drops. They look at it for a split second and they just keep chanting, why more books? <laughs> uh, so, But yeah, everybody else has actually stopped for a second to go, hang on, you know what? If I can cut down the number of books that I've got to drag around with me for this, it might actually be worth getting one more book. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so on the whole, I think you're right. It's been a positive thing. One of the best comments, though, that I uh, saw about this was the artwork on the cover. And it was where, obviously, you've got like an Ogryn standing at the back. Then you've got your Nomad, your Vansar, Escher, Orlok, Enforcer at the front. And someone said, yeah, and actually, in the picture that was taken for this, there was a squat, but he was at the front, so he didn't make it into the picture. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, and then we've got, obviously, the conspiracy that Goliath and um, Delac are being phased out because they don't get a, a spot on the picture as well. <laughs> yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah, that, that'll be what it is. Um, no, uh, the, oh, another one, another uh, great point that they make in the article, uh, which obviously we won't need to mention during the review now, um, is that when you're aiming a grenade or a template at the floor, mm-hmm. um, which is obviously a tactic that uh, corpse grinders loathe you know at a minus two to hit which is yeah it makes those masks very scary again so yeah also shows how gw really don't like the idea that people have cottoned on with uh ogryn gangs while we're just going to turn grenades into guns yeah yeah exactly that it 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 
takes the the killer edge off Ogren slightly because obviously if they're chucking pie plates, they're still going to bounce around and they're still going to hit someone. Nice but say, yeah, yeah, the idea that you can just throw it directly at, at and you what what's the ballistic skill on a um, on an Ogren? Yeah, I don't know off the top of my head. It's going to be four or five, like something four or five. Yeah, 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 yeah. So minus two. I mean. That's just, it's a permanent scatter, isn't it? It doesn't matter. They're always going to scatter. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, also uh, it's mentioned in the article that certain skills have been improved. Uh, and I'll just read this verbatim. So it says, It's safe to say that several of the original core skills are less favoured than the rest. Uh, the likes of Headbutt, Iron Jaw and Hurl have been substantially improved, while Overseer now requires a leadership test to function. Um, so rather than talk about this later on in Hot in the Hive, let's just talk about those now. And also, sneaky special bonus one of Medicaid. Let's talk about that as well, because that does get changed. So whilst we're on the topic. Um, so yeah, the, these are all massively improved if you look at the uh, the actual book that we've got. Hurl, Headbutt and Iron Jaw, they're all out of the Brawn skill tree, which I think universally has been acknowledged since N17 as being the worst skill tree that was going. Yeah. Uh, so let's have a read through the new version. So headbutt. If the fighter is standing and engaged, they can make the following action. Headbutt, which is now free. And I think that's the, the biggest part of yeah. this. Pick an enemy fighter engaged by and in base contact with this fighter and roll 2d6. If either result is equal to or higher than their toughness, they suffer a hit with a strength equal to this fighter's plus 2. Resolved at damage 2. However, if both dice score lower than the enemy fighter's toughness, this fighter instead suffer a hit equal to their own strength resolved at damage 1. So that definitely, straight away, seems a lot better because it's free, so you can do that in addition to the fight. Yeah, it's just an extra attack, so you're not going to... No one's going to pick headbutt over hitting somebody with, like, a chain cleaver or something like that, are they? So it just makes it, yeah. Plus, because it's not actually a fight action, it's not a reactionary thing, is it? You can't get hit back for headbutting someone. No, no, that's great. Uh, Then you've got Hurl, which is if the fighter is standing and engaged, they can perform the following action. Hurl, basic. Uh, Pick an enemy fighter engaged by and in base contact with this fighter or a prone and seriously injured enemy fighter within one inch of this fighter. Make an initiative test for the enemy fighter. If failed, the enemy fighter is hurled. Move the enemy fighter D3 inches in a direction of your choice. If they were standing, they become prone and pinned after moving. If they come into base contact with a standing fighter, vehicle or any terrain, they stop moving and suffer a strength 3 damage 1 hit. Uh, If they come into base contact with another model, that model also suffers a strength 3 damage 1 hit. And if the model is a fighter, they become prone and pinned. So again, that does sound like that has been improved over the original version of it and it can also be performed for free after successfully performing a charge double action yes that's the bit that's probably really worth noting yeah so perform your charge for free uh, and instead of a fight action you get to do hurl now my mind immediately can cook up a couple of scenarios where that is going to come in really handy because it's a case of you're you're potentially getting an enemy fighter away 
say they're on a like a ledge of a building or something you charge them and instead of getting into a fight with someone that might be actually pretty beefy but has a really poor initiative for example you can then just literally just hurl them off the side of the building you don't need to worry about fighting them oh yeah spider rigs are just getting hoed off roofs left right and center at this <laughs> yeah i think this is also going to result in a couple of squats getting drop kicked off of the top of buildings yeah. as well or just uh, fastball specialed like Colossus yeah. and Wolverine but, that's it yeah but, yeah yeah but, but Wolverine's not happy about it yeah <laughs> Uh, and then Iron Jaw. Uh, this fighter's toughness is treated as being too higher than normal when another fighter attacks them in close combat with a weapon with an AP characteristic of dash. So that has been changed significantly because before it was unarmed characters, wasn't it? And how many people go up and smack you in the face with their bare hands? Not that many, especially towards the later end of a campaign, whereas with this, you can still get weapons with a, a dash characteristic. Oh, so um, it's going to be more like flails and maces and clubs and things like that. So I'm guessing yeah. if you're getting piled on by a horde of, like a horde of Cordor or Chaos cultists, they're just going to be like, you know, uh, as all little kids kind of stood around waist height trying to ineffectively slap at him. Yeah then he's just going to stand there and pretty much shrug the majority of that off with a yeah, two-eye yeah. toughness. So just to confirm uh, the... Oh, it's Savant and Leadership, isn't it? So so just to confirm the Overseer one under the Leadership skill tree, uh, it now reads, uh, if the model is standing and active or mobile, they can attempt to make the following action. Order, which is double, make a leadership test for this model. If the test is passed, pick a friendly fighter within six inches. That fighter can immediately make two actions as though it were their turn to activate, even if they are not ready. If they are ready, these actions do not remove their ready marker. So everything else is the same there apart from the leadership test bit, but that still seems to sort of round it out a bit more. I've, I've heard of some gaming groups that just completely banned Overseer. Yeah, I, mean, I, I know um, a lot of people are really against it, and I think the the... the temptation to kind of spam your special weapon or your heavy and just getting them to shoot twice either either negating the need for a, a harness in order to help you move and shoot because you can just say right have another go you can move and then you can shoot or you can shoot twice yeah um then it just yeah it, it just makes there be a, a cost for that you have to successfully do this in order to do that I just think it's a nice little kind of... Um, it's not like a heavy nerf, but it's enough to make it more... Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think what it's going to do is it's going to cause people to focus more on stat boosting for stats that you might not otherwise really care about. Well, yeah, one of the comments on the Facebook on our Facebook group was it's just nice to have leadership actually do something. Yeah, because it doesn't really get used that often, does no. it? Then on the Savant skill tree, it just happened to spot Medicaid has changed. So the old version says, when this fighter assists a friendly fighter who is making a recovery test, re-roll any out-of-action results. If the result of a re-rolled dice is also out of action, the result stands. The skill cannot be gained by a vehicle, and if randomly selected, a new skill is randomly selected. So, um, okay, so no medical vehicles, literally. But, yeah, the important thing there, I think, is to say that it's not actually fixing someone through medical care. It's kind of just making it a bit easier to get them back on their feet, essentially, then, isn't it? 
because you can pick the better of the worst options. You're losing a flesh wound essentially. Yeah, uh, and it's a way to um, it, it's a way to counter the fact that flesh wounds are going to be a much more common and much more dangerous kind of um, scenario now. Oh, with the new version, it yeah, definitely yeah. is because it's totally different. So the new version of Medicaid says this skill cannot be gained by a vehicle and if randomly selected a new skill is randomly selected this fighter may take the treat wounds basic action so treat wounds basic is roll a d6 and on a three plus a friendly fighter within one inch either regains a lost wound or loses a flesh wound controlling players choice that is especially with this whole new thing of like serious injuries if they are stack can start causing flesh wounds on top of flesh wound rolls that you're likely to get as well yeah that is actually really useful because you can have like your medicaid person running around and fixing up fighters on the battlefield to the point that that's i can almost see people trying to work out how to get a specifically dedicated like medic on the field yeah, now it, it makes that skill so much like infinitely better and it makes that role that medic role like something that you'd actually want to focus on so no yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan but i've no idea how you do it but you, the vansar that are riding around on the hoverboards or the orlock wreckers for example if you could somehow get that skill onto them you've literally got a highly mobile medic that can just whiz around the board trying to heal people up yeah I, I don't know how, because you'd have to have access to Savant, and I don't know where Neotech or Wreckers are without cross-referencing. Well, but yeah, it, yeah, some kind of fast-moving first aid <laughs> unit would be pretty amazing. Yeah, or pretty put it on amazing, someone with yeah. Um, Sprint. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, but there we go. So that's been updated in the article. Was there anything else? Right, it says how you suffer a flesh wound when um, you roll serious injury dice. But... Um, yeah. Just to clarify, because it's it's a little vague in the article, I think it would be good if we just discuss how that actually works as a mechanic. Yeah, yeah. Right, okay, so should a prone and seriously injured fighter suffer one or more serious injury results, they suffer an additional flesh wound for each. Ah, uh, yes, yeah, because in the article it doesn't quite elaborate that much. Yet, no, so, so but right, if, so if you're standing prone or pinned... You suffer a serious injury result, they become prone and seriously injured. Yes. But if you suffer multiple, so more than one serious injury result, each additional one after the one that makes you prone and pinned, then suffers you suffer a flesh wound. Yes, whereas previously people would go, well, I'm not getting any more seriously injured than I already am. Yeah. Now you are. <laughs> now you really are. Uh, and if you're prone and seriously injured, you just... The first one is a is a flesh wound as well. So if you yeah. if you stood up and you're active, um, it, yeah, if you're standing or prone or pinned, then you, the first one just gives you the seriously injured condition. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, I, I I just think it's it's going to be super brutal. And now, so you've got like the juxtaposition of experience being easier to get with yeah. injuries yeah. like really just taking you out. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's, I think this is probably, as, as a lot of people have said already, going to help to speed games up and, and streamline it a little bit, I think. Yeah. But, I mean, we could talk about some of the other points there, but we've run out of things to talk about in the book later on, so uh, I think we'll leave that there for Yeah, that, I think but... most people have seen it, so... Yeah. So that's the um, only official thing that we've had come out, so in which case then we should go on to what we've seen as works within the community. 
So I'll I'll go first on this one then. Um, so yeah, on I thought I think this was Instagram or Facebook Reels, one of the two. I saw a post by Old Worn Brush, and this was a little video that they posted because you could you can see the flickering effect in it, and it is just a shot of the side-on of the pillars from Zone Mortalis and they've cut out the sort of window-shaped bit and they've actually replaced it with stained glass window art that they've done and they just look really pretty. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it really contrasts against the sort of the grim dark aesthetic that we normally tend to see where everything's rusted up because this is actually quite clean. Uh, I would say this is probably more representative of kind of like mid-hive living uh, where the walls are a bit cleaner, <laughs> they're not yeah. quite as dirty, and you've got these lovely stained glass windows that haven't been destroyed or vandalised. <laughs> but it was just really nice detailing, and I think he's got like one of those tea light uh, bulbs inside because there was a, a flickering light behind it, if I remember rightly. Yeah, no, they look beautiful, man. Uh, then in the House Escher Gang Players, Necromunda Underhive and Ash Wastes group on Facebook, uh, we've got Dan Grant, who posted up his conversion for an Escher uh, with the Gene Stealer cultists as kit, so you've got, I can't remember, the, is it Jackals? Asalan Jackal, yeah. Ja that was it, yeah. Um, and yeah, so it's just a really cool looking Escher sat on a bike with a cigar in the mouth holding onto a melter gun as well. I'm not sure, quite sure where the rules sit on that one, but it probably is is valid. But it's just a beautiful paint job on here as well. Yeah, um, I've seen their work before. They do really nice. Um, it is non-metallic metal, but it's a specific style. It's very like um, yeah. 80s chrome. Vaporwave like kind of style. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, just very nice on the at the end of the melter gun, the colour scheme for the bike and the actual surrounding as well. Yeah, they've got a really nicely done little green cactus on the base, just loads of uh, variation in the colours that are on the ash waste base itself. The bike's a nice yellow fitting in with the Escher scheme, It just really nice colours on it all over. Then we've got, again, this was on the Reels for Facebook or Instagram. I think it's the same thing, isn't it? Because it's all the same company under Meta, isn't it? So this one was a like diorama piece that had been done. And this stood out because it's like an Ash Wastes vehicle attack of some kind. Uh, and it's act actually got an orc in there as well, which is weird. But it is Escher riding on a bike next to it. Um, so you've got a very orky like trike on one side, the Escher, two Eshers on dirt bikes on the other side. But the thing that really stands out here is the the diorama itself, the basing, really nicely carved like rock peak. You know, like in the Wiley e. Coyote cartoons where he's standing on like a cliff edge. It looks like one of those kind of cliff edges. But this is the real thing about that stands out about this one. It's the dust and ash and everything that's being kicked up behind the vehicles is literally there and represented and i think they've done it with like cotton wool or something like that um because it's, it's coming from the back of the front wheels and then it's massively clouding out behind the back of the vehicles it just looks so cool yeah it's a, it's a gorgeous little diorama i'd like to like see it in the flesh to see because in that picture i mean the the dust just looks like real dust almost. Yeah. Or like CG. 
I'd love to see it in real life to see how that actually translates. Yeah, but it, I, just for the listeners, um, obviously I've taken a screenshot of this so that I can show Chris, but it is from a video, so it's well worth trying to track this down. Uh, and that was by Rodini Salmoreo. So, yeah, I would strongly suggest trying to track that down if you can and uh, have a look at it yourself so you can see the video. And then the next one was in the Necromunda Train Makers group, and it was by Lee Kilber. Uh, and the write-up for this is, uh, I feel I may be the only one that enjoyed the Necromunda video game, and in this case he's referring to, uh, was it Gang War, I think? Um, the one that was like the RTS 3D. Yeah. Um, uh, but I really enjoyed the zip line mechanic in the game. It made a lot of sense to get a lot of quick vertical movement in a very layered three-dimensional game, something that the tabletop game lacks in my opinion. So what he's then done is he has 3D sculpted the um, the connection points for the cables. Um, so you can literally just print these off and you can then have actual zip lines on your boards. Uh, obviously we need to get some kind of rules involved for this. I don't, I don't know if he goes on to say that he's um, actually created the rules for it. I think he did. Yeah, I, I remember seeing, because I remember you commenting on it, which was why it came on my Facebook. But mm. yeah, it's really nicely executed. But I can't remember if he said he, he had done them or he was working on them. But yeah, yeah. I think it'd be a pretty easy thing to... Uh, Probably, like, yeah. Like in agility. But it's just really nice that he's, he's bothered to create this for the community and then stick it up. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. So everyone can have them. Everybody gets zip lines. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, then the next one was Rich Brooks, who posted into the Necromund Underhive Gang War community. And I, I've got to read again <clears throat> the post that goes along with this. Uh, it says, One day, lad, all this will be yours. What? The curtains? And it's Josh Kolos, Nat born son of Boss Kolos, tyrant of the Mother Loaders gang. Uh, the equivalent size of a standard 12 year old, Josh wasn't permitted to join his father's crew on raids until he strapped on an assault grenade launcher harness and tagged along anyway. And this is just a very cool conversion for a Goliath. Um, and it does, I think it's the head choice and the. The sort of stature, the the dimensions and the proportions to each other that you've got on this model. Uh, I think he's used one of like the uh, like an old like Age of Sigmar kind of model for the vast majority of the body. But then yeah, literally you've got this kind of squat body, a rather sort of um, pudgy childlike Goliath face with goggles and a little mohawk on, and then you've got this massive like jewel grenade launcher strapped onto his back and it's just a really nice conversion yeah um it was on our discord as well um they posted it uh, really like the color choices as well it's quite muted but yeah really awesome and uh extra points for the um holy grail reference at the front at the yeah. beginning Next up was, again, uh, here's a familiar face, Dan Beresford in the Sump City Radio community group. Uh, Meat Neck Goes Vroom, and it's a conversion that he's done for the Goliath Mauler. And I'm not sure where he's got all the parts for this, but there's some kind of tank track at the front that he's replaced the... He's kind of almost turned the vehicle around. Because uh, at the back, you've got a big chunky wheel, which looks like one of the ones off of either the... Orlock quad bike or off of a space marine bike possibly because it's still big and chunky yeah. and then he's put the tank track at the front but it's quite an elongated one and it just almost it almost creates like a really cut down uh, chainsaw kind of silhouette 
uh, on Sidon. You've got the big bulky body at the front uh, of the vehicle, and then coming out of that is the elongated tank track. Um, and then obviously uh, for the handles, he's got those big sort of you know American chopper motorbike style handles on it as well that the glass holding onto, and it's just a really nice conversion. I'm looking forward to seeing this one painted up, which you'll probably have done by the time Sumpcon rolls around. Yeah, it, it's really. It looks like um, the back end of a Space Marine scout bike, almost. Ah. That's been grafted onto the body of the mauler, and then yeah, he's taking um, one of the tracks from. He did mention um, some kind of cataphracty uh, tank tread. Oh right, okay. Uh, yeah, so it's really narrow, but yeah, it, that that about perfectly describes it. It looks like a like a a, a one handed little chainsaw kind of thing that you would yeah, yeah. i've yeah, no really idea cool. how that thing turns but it looks really cool yeah. <laughs> and then this one i think you actually mentioned whilst i was out of the room uh, on because i checked over the previous recording uh, earlier on in the the welcome segment uh, which is where puppets war have a it's basically a necromunda slash orc version of the back to the future delorean now yeah yeah, I mean, I've got their um, Batmobile already, and that's just such a fun model. I'm really impressed with it. Um, and, yes, yeah, so I, I saw it, uh, and the guy who sent me that sent me a picture of this. I was like, oh, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I love it. So, yeah, that was all the, the points that I'd had. What about you, Chris? Right, so first up, I've got um, John W. Waters, uh, and he's created a Tank Girl kit bash which is just amazing. So you've got um, an Escher sat spread eagle on the gun barrel, a la Tank Girl. Uh, She's got a plasma pistol and um, an auto pistol in one hand, like both held aloft. And it's just the ridiculousness of it. It's like a full size... Um, it looks like an Imperial Guard tank. I, I don't know the tanks. You'll have to forgive me, guys. But uh, yeah, it, it, just for the ridiculousness of it, for the pop culture awesomeness that is Tank Girl, and yeah, I just I'd love to actually see that on a board. And yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know what you'd pass that weaponry off as, though, because that's like no idea. I mean, it's it's got so many it's got like grenade launchers on the side, then a couple of weapons, which I think are out of the shot of the picture coming out of like bolted on side turrets and you've got mini guns on the front of it and then of course the massive cannon coming out the top of the tank uh the only thing i would suggest that he adds to this is he gets one of those little cocktail umbrellas and (laughs) sticks it on the top with a deck chair there as well yeah that would yeah that would sell it entirely but no absolutely love it it's just i I, I dread to think how much one of those things is but yeah it looks incredible so i can't wait to see it painted uh, and next up, uh, JP Miniatures from Instagram has done a beautiful Van Sargang um, that he shared it on the Discord. It's on Instagram. I'll, I'll put the Instagram link so you can see more of his work. Yeah. Um, I think they're from Spain when I was talking to him, or definitely from Europe because he's gutted that he couldn't make it to Sumpcon. Mm, um, yeah. But yeah, it just he's used. Um, what you call it? Uh, Age of Sigma Witch Hunter for one of the bodies, oh, and right, then yeah. the rest, like the central one, yes, with yeah. the plasma gun. That's that's the witch witch finder or which. Uh, again, forgive me, people, don't come at me. Um, 
really muted browns and like really dark leathery browns but then contrasted with like a metallic uh, green on the armor um as always with jp gorgeous paint jobs and gorgeous um photography uh, but he's actually replaced the neotech with the um the eldar jet bikes he doesn't like the the cutters so that's his way of working around um it and looks then really good though. oh it's stunning and then a load of corsair eldar bodies but mm. like with vansar bits fused in so like the heads the shoulder pads the arms to really sell the vansar look yeah absolutely beautiful work uh and next up we have uh ross barrowball on instagram but it's shades of chaos on youtube if you want to see this thing working but yeah. it's um it's a working lift for necromunda oh, and it's awesome. used me um a bit of sec- sector mechanicus um archway like the support legs the struts yeah. um two sections of zoma talus column like stacked on top of each other, a section of walkway connecting in an L shape, connecting the Zone Motalis um, column to the Sector Mechanicus strut, and then you've got two stacked containers, a stacked. Um, it looks almost like a game of Tetris gone wrong as you're yeah. looking at it. And then they've got like a balcony created by a bit of the market stall kit. Yeah. And then an actual functioning lift that pulls up this. Uh, it's made out of a couple of sections of flooring to make the roof and the floor and then it's got the barricades like to make like some uh, thrown together walls and it's suspended by a bit of chain and then yeah that lift actually goes up and down and I just oh. absolutely love it. And if we zoom it. in really closely on that there's a Sump City Radio poster on that as well. <laughs> hey! I hadn't even noticed that. I wouldn't care. I've looked at this so many times. And yeah, definitely check out his channel and uh, his Instagram page. So, uh, yeah. And my last one... Oh, no, sorry. I've got two more. Uh, next up is uh, the amazing Oscar Lars. Just an awesome... Uh, picture of his goliath gang just about to face off with some enforcers again painting is superb uh, you've got like um the striping on his uh goliath armor just the richness and the the kind of saturation of color that he manages it always looks gorgeous um and it, again just the composition of the the photo it looks like shit's about to hit the fan so that's oscar lars on instagram and yeah, then beautiful. our very own pete's Owen. I saw this initially in the Discord, but you have shared the Facebook, so I'll probably share the Facebook because I think more people have access to that. Um, and he's basically, it's a, he's part of his Ogren gang. Yeah. And he's just got this huge kind of female Ogren, I'm guessing she would be. Uh, the model itself is from the uh, Toughest Girls of the Galaxy yeah. range, if I remember rightly. That's right, yeah. Um, and yeah, so she's a. Uh, a big boned lass, but she looks incredibly mean. And she's got uh, pink paint to her um, servo fist. What do you call those? Augmented, augmented fists. Yeah, augment, uh. yeah, to her augmented fist. And I just think it's it's awesome. Uh, I love the way he does weathered metal. He's got a really good technique for that. So, yeah, um, that's Pete's own. Um, and I'll throw up a link. But that's all nice of mine, one. bud. 
Right, well there we go, that's the community stuff that we've spotted in the very short time since the last Hot in the Hive. Uh, so yeah, if you do see anything that you think is worth a mention in the Hot in the Hive, do tag us or put a hashtag on it for Hot in the Hive, and uh, hopefully it'll feature in this at some point in future episodes. But for now, we will go to a quick break uh, with a song for those of you on Spotify, and then we'll be back with Shooting the Shit where we talk about this new book. Woohoo! You're, you're, you're listening to the only heard single approved station in Hive Primus. Oh, yeah. You're listening to Sump City Radio. Okay, listeners, welcome back. Up next is Shooting the Ship. It's time to shoot the shit. So in this broadcast's Shooting the Shit, uh, we're talking about the new core rulebook that has just dropped from Games Workshop, or will be dropping shortly. We're not entirely sure what's happening in the time between now and when we're allowed to officially release this episode. So it could be today, it might be in the next week or so that we actually get the pre-orders go up for this. But either way, first of all, we need to say thank you very much to Games Workshop for sending us the review copies of this so that we could have a look at it. So yes, thank you very much. So when me and Chris first got hold of this, Chris got straight into it before I even had a chance to have a look at it. So um, we decided that what we'd do is before I had a look at it, I would come up with some thoughts and hopes about what we would get in this book. And then Chris could tell me if that was actually the case or not. So let's go through some of the things that I thought up for this. Now the first one, and this has been a bugbearer for me for the, the entirety of all the books for Necromunda, We've never had an index for anything before. So, Chris, yay or nay, can you confirm if we've got an index now? I can happily confirm, yeah, but I can also... Yes. Um, yeah, it is that fucking good. I literally went, yes, when I saw it. <laughs> it was that bad. It's that sad. But um, I'm fairly sure that an index has never been included in any rule book. So this is a first across all of the systems as well. Yeah. This alphabetized index, which is so damn useful. Yeah. No more having to remember all the page numbers. You can just go to the back of the book and look for the word that you're after. No, and I was put in mind of um, the Kickstarter that we mentioned in last episode with all the bookmarks. Oh, and I was like, oh, well, just that's, that's going to save yeah. me 300 quid. Getting enough um, tabs for all of these different books, yeah. Well, he, he can just put some tabs out for this one next, I'm <laughs> sure. Um, the next thing that I had on my wish list was a trading post that combined all of the little bits across the books. Then you're going to be very happy. Yay! Um, clarifications on existing rules. Um, I believe so, but I am still cross-referencing, bearing in mind that I'm. it's like... A good three books that we're cross checking it, yeah. we're cross referencing against. But, and I um, realise that's a, a really broad wish there, but I think we're getting to some specifics later on yeah. anyway. Um, all the ash waste weather conditions. Oh, mate, absolutely. Every yes! single one of them. Yes. Um, vehicle rules. Uh huh. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Um, is getting squished in a door, uh, sorry, getting squished by a door in there? No. Dang it. Uh, rules for lifts. Uh, another negative on that one, I'm afraid. Oh, uh, all of the weapon traits. Now, all of the traits for all of the weapons that are accessible by everyone, yes. Woohoo! A couple of, like, character or gang-specific weapon traits, no. Hmm. Okay, that's not so bad. Um, 
Uh, right, in which case, then, th- those were pretty much the the main wish list things that I could think of off the top of my head before I w- wanted to dive into looking at this book. So, initial thoughts on this, Chris, before we dive into anything specific. Now, we've heard rumours from several sources for several months that there was some kind of compendium, annual, whatever, however you want to call it, coming. I wasn't sure what kind of form that would come in. Or if it would even come, because rumours are rumours, you know what I mean, until we get something official. So when we received this email, a little bit of trepidation, but as soon as I started going through it, it was just like, yes, this is what's been needed for so long. I think it's a really positive step. Um, It's It it, it literally... When I did my review for the Ash Waste rule book, I said, this is the new rule book, and Mm. I think this book will be coming out. Now, what they've done is they've gone, actually, Chris, you're massively wrong. Now, in some instances, yes, it is essentially the Ashworth's rule book, so all of the extra stuff that you're getting in there, the vehicles, etc. Um, but it's just been cleaned up and made much more streamlined. We don't lose anything. There's no, like... There's no massive changes to how the rules work. There's a few differences, key differences that we will go over, and they're really good as well. It's not like, oh, they've just changed it for the sake of it. There's some really cool differences in there. But on the whole, extremely positive. I've got no real gripes so far, and I've been going through it as, as kind of... As thoroughly as I can, thinking like people are going to be looking for mistakes and errors. So far, I've not found any, and I'm really enjoying it. Yourself? I pretty much share those sentiments. Obviously, I'm, I've just come from a point of view of not having read it with my first thoughts to you now confirm for you. Yes, I have had a look through the book as best that I can with my ADHD riddled mind. This is just everything that you want for your core rule book, really. There's so much new cool content in here as well as the more refined older stuff and i've checked for power picks and they're not at a plus three so that's also a nice bonus <laughs> <laughs> yeah so they are at minus three i can confirm that on the yeah. armor penetration so we're off to a good start uh, but yeah i overall i think this is a really good book that they've knocked out here I've got we've got a couple of points that we wanted to cover so what's old well, pretty much all of the core rule systems are here, um, but we've then had a couple of things that have been fixed along the way, I feel. Yeah, like I say, it's not a reinvention of the game. This isn't Necromunda version 2 or 3 or however you perceive it to be. Um, with the Ashworth stuff that I mentioned earlier, the comparison to the Ashworth rulebook, it's like that, but if you look at like certain um, weapon traits, um, weapon types, skill types, all of the the dialogue, all the, all the, um, the descriptions now include vehicles within that description to clarify. So you're not kind of jumping backwards and forwards. Like if this vehicle is being carried by a fighter or if this vehicle is alternatively mounted on a vehicle, then you get both of those examples within the same block of text nice. so that you're not having to jump back and forwards so often, which is just it, quality of life and streamlining. It's... it's so far, like I say, there's nothing where I've come across and gone, oh, hang on, that's tripped me up, or they've missed this, or they've missed that. It does seem to flow a lot nicer. Mm. Also, they've updated some of the existing rules with with more clarification, and I think that's how 
we would define fixed in a lot of instances here, where they've they've gone on to elaborate on certain rules. Again, I, I can't sit down and read a book from start to finish like this. I have to sort of flick through it to random bits and try and absorb that, and eventually I'll get through the whole book. And one of the very first things that I opened up and saw was where they've expanded the rules for exotic pets now. Yep, so exotic pets um, now grant the owner of the pet the group activation rule. It doesn't really change how the pet activates and moves it just means that it is distinctively the same process as group activation so it's it's not a separate thing in and of itself again it's just that streamlining tightening and it's just the language around that it doesn't actually have a mechanical effect where the mechanical effects with pets do come into place is obviously um we get to use the intelligence stats so if a pet has an intelligence of five plus it can now be used to help to open locked loot caskets, doors, and access um, terminals, yeah. which is really cool. Makes sense, you know that they're, they're not just mindless kind of automatons. They have the, if you could train an animal or if you could teach one of these creatures to do this, then it can do it within this. Which just makes pets more useful, really. Still, just as expensive though. There's no change on that, unfortunately. And we yeah. also get um, the skill list back for pets um, that was missing, I believe, in um, the last iteration that we saw them. So it's just again, it's just tidied up. It's nicely there. There's there's expand the the list is just a little bit bigger and a little bit beefier. Nice. Yeah, that, that was one of those things where I've seen it done so many times in games in previous campaigns where someone's pet will go and open the door in advance of the actual owner walking through so they're not wasting an activation on it. And it's not just nice now to have that little bit of clarification to go, okay, we're not, we're not saying pets can't do that, but they've got to be smart enough to be able to open the door. Yeah, it's not just, uh, I've got this, it can do that, yeah. Okay, to give you an idea of kind of because we've got um what's new as kind of the next segment what i'll do is i'll quickly read down the contents of the book yeah um and it's not so much as what's new it's kind of what's all included in one place so we right. start off uh necromunda history and background um get basically lots of pages of law um weapons of gang war uh then general principles covering conditions um gang fighters and their weaponry, uh, fighter characteristic profiles, fighter characteristics and characteristics tests, weapons profiles, vehicle characteristics profiles, uh, vehicle characteristics and characteristics tests, fighter cards, vehicle cards, uh, founding a gang, gang creation, the gang roster, uh, the rules, so you've got pre-battle sequence, priority phase, action phase, movement, terrain, shooting, close combat, resolve hits, the end phase, the post-battle sequence, uh, gaining experience, uh, then Psychers in Necromunda, then the Dominion campaign, which is awesome to see a campaign in here, um, which is probably like the most generic out of them. Uh, Dominion campaign territories, uh, battlefield setup and scenarios. Uh, then we've got a list of um, 
those scenarios. So we've got board disputes, smash and grab, the trap, fuel hunt, settlement raid, cargo run, rescue mission. So you see we get a mix of Ash Waste, Sector yeah. Mechanicus and Zone Mortalis. Uh, battlefield showcases, which is a nice new little section where they show the different kinds of battlefield, different um, illustrations of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, arbitrator tools, campaign... Arbitrator tools, that is one we definitely need to focus on in a bit. Yeah, uh, Including campaign variants, yep. which is fucking great and we do need to cover that um optional special rules again yep. brilliant underdog tactics yep. awesome inclusion uh, and then a couple more of the scenarios are peppered in there so you've got ghast harvest shootout and uh, murder cyborg and then a multiplayer scenario pit fighter um so you've got a nice broad selection of scenarios there. yeah absolutely yeah really kind of plenty of variety to keep you going including rolling roads etc um, we get generic gang tactics table, massive, really big, really impressed at this. If you haven't got all of the cards or if you haven't got all of the books, it's just a way to introduce some variety into your already existing tactics if you don't have the original game. Yeah, it's uh, really good that they've gone back to do that, if you ask me. Oh, absolutely. It does make me question whether we'll actually see a deck as well released. Um, that That's a good thought, yeah. Uh, and then we're on to skills again just covering um, your basic so you've got agility, brawn, combat cunning, driving, ferocity, leadership savant and shooting um, but not specific gang ones not specific gang ones yeah. in the Which same way uh, we don't get specific weapon traits that aren't available to anyone else um, trading post and it's a fucking doozy we'll come back to that uh, weapon traits, round summary, awesome and then that all important sweetener the index yeah so that's that's what's in there there are some new bits which we will cover um but it's just having it all in like a one place so and this is something that's worth pointing out to the listeners just for the sheer like hilarity of it but i hope to god that the version that gets actually printed has all of the f's and the i's included yeah it's, it's so weird. It's like some weird little letter thief has been through the document and just stolen all of the, ex- the scrums, like, or just man. specific ones. So fighter is quite often <laughs> the scrunts don't have any F's to give, and so they've stolen all of us. <laughs> but I have to wonder if that's just a way of just tracking the documents or something. Like oh, we've we've sent it to this person, they've got all the B's missing. Yeah, <laughs> this yeah, person's that's got it, the yeah. F's missing. <laughs> we'll, we'll find out if you're sharing this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah. where do you want to go from here? Because uh, unfortunately, my notes from this point are very representative of how my brain works. Because it's the scattergun of how I've noticed things as I've like well, flicked backwards and forwards. Well, through let's the book. try and answer these last three questions, and yeah. then if we just pile in, and um, yeah, I'll, yeah, yeah, uh, and, and we'll we'll go from and we can stop and pick things apart as we need to. Right. Yeah. So, is this the definitive rule book? Yes. The, it's more specifically it's the definitive core rule book which is how it's titled that's the name of the book it's necromunda core rule book that means that this is the 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 mechanics the functionality of the game at its core this isn't including the aranthian succession so that they consider them expansion rule books i'm guessing now outside of the core rules yeah um i mean to the point that i think that even in the law section of this book it doesn't sort of talk as if this is post 
uh, Aranthian succession nope. and, and Helmar's carked it and his daughter's taken over. It doesn't, you know, mention that at all. Nope. And in fact, it has a full page on Garontius Helmar himself. Yeah. Without any reference to his assassination. So yeah, it's it's Necromunda as a setting outside of any events. Yeah. Um, some fucking stunning artwork, and I just need to get that oh, in God, quick. Yeah. Jesus Christ, those aerial shots, they're the like above one. the cloud line. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, my Someone was saying God. in the group the other day about how um, I think it was the Aranthian Succession books have got really nice artwork in it. And I was like, yeah, let's hope they put some more in this one. And it's like, was not disappointed. No, it's th- that... I would love that as an actual picture to have. Yeah, yeah, as a big poster. Yeah. What else what will you, else still, will you need? still need? Well, if you want to play any of the succession, you're going to need that. If you want to play campaign-specific types that aren't in here, which we will talk about later, you'll need those relevant books. Although, to be fair, yeah, when we will get to this in a minute, I'm just dropping spoilers here. There is a lot of campaign options in here. Yeah. And I, I think the beauty of the options, which we will cover, is that you could really add them to any campaign type as well. So yeah. it's just the variation is, it, it's just off the chart. Um, you will need your house books, obviously. So they're, they're a thing that you'll need. These This doesn't have any gang info in it. It is a rule book specifically. So you will need those. Um, who's it for? This is for every frustrated arbitrator (laughs) who's ever had to juggle 10 books. It condenses it all down into a one-stop shop for all of the kind of core mechanics. At its heart, we get loads of lore about the basic covering of all of the gangs that we've seen so far, the political structures, the guilds. The we even get the extra ones, don't we? Like they get corpse grinders, enforcers. We get a little bit about the prospects as well, the nomads. Yep, yep. Just a little bit of, and it's literally just a bit of fluff about each of them. Um, like I say, the guilds, noble houses. It just talks about the structure of Necromunda as a whole. Just say, so this. Who's it for? It's for. I'd say everyone would benefit from grabbing this because of some of the rules that are changed slightly. Yeah. Um. So to be the most up to date, you you probably want this. It's for the people who got Outlanders, had the main rule book but didn't have the Ash Wastes rule book. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's filling in all those blanks and pulling it all together. And then we go we're straight in at it. Uh, like we said when we went through the contents, and it's all the wordings being changed to incorporate vehicles like I say, within the actions and the um, traits and things like that. So it's just nicely tied in. So you're not going, well, what does that mean with regards to a vehicle? It's all there. It's like worded within the text box itself, which is just, again, just a streamlining thing. Should we tackle the the, the big changes first? So if we go for the uh, experience for a start. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's just well worth um, mentioning. What they've done is they've made it easier to gain experience. And the way they've done that is they've expanded the experience chart. So now every time you roll a dice and it results an injury dice and it results in a serious injury, you get an XP for that. Now, if you roll several injury dice and you roll three serious injury, you're still only getting the one. There is a limit to that. So, yeah. you know, but it just means those frustrating periods where you put somebody seriously injured and then at the end of the round, they go out of action from their recovery roll and you're just missing out. And it's like, well, you did cause them to die. So you don't get the full, I think it's two experience for taking out a leader or whatever. Yeah. So you, you just get one experience per serious injury die which is great 
I just think that's a really nice touch because the amount of times I've felt robbed by seriously injuring somebody, they're rolling out of action in their recovery, and then you just you're screwed from that. Yeah. Um, so just to confirm for the listeners, does that mean that the one that you would normally get for someone just straight up putting them out of action has been removed, or is that in addition to a? It's series in addition. Injury? Yeah. So yeah. you potentially could get two XP just for doing that, or in the case of a leader, three XP. Yeah. With XP, uh, what you you could spend nine XP to get a random secondary skill. Now yeah. they've opened that secondary skill uh, line up by if you spend twelve XP, you can choose one of your secondary skills. Oh, that's massive! That's yeah. Like you're not wish listing anymore. You can you can more kind of carefully curate and craft your fighter as they You're progress. Just hoping you get the right. One yeah, roll exactly. Up, yeah. Rather than some defunct secondary skill that you weren't really that interested in in the first place, you you're paying for it. It's costing you an extra three XP over the random roll, but it's it's an improvement. Um, also with XP, oh yeah, now you get XP for assisting with a successful uh, recovery test, oh. um, which is another way to gain it. Which is again, it's great because it means that you're, you're just getting more XP into your pool. Your fighters are more likely to be promoted. Um, when If you roll for a ganger for experience, uh, snake eyes or box cars, they gain a random primary skill when they're promoted. So that's another change to how experience works. So essentially the experience table, it's clearer, easier to read, but it's also been expanded or... Oh, they've now leveled up the experience that you get for putting a vehicle out of action. Nice. So um, instead of one XP, you get two. It's not enormous, but it makes it kind of comparable to taking a leader or a champion out because before it was like taking a vehicle out is no mean feat usually. So to get one XP for it just felt a bit, um, a little insulting. So they've, they've, but you don't get uh, XP for removing whole points like you do for giving serious injuries. So, yeah. Um, we get this is a good one. I really like this change. Uh, there's a minus one modifier to hits if you aren't in the line of sight when you charge. So before you could charge into smoke, you could charge around a corner blind, and it just didn't matter. There was no negative effect. Now there's yeah. a minus one to that, which I think is good. It stops it from being like completely broke you know what i mean yeah. it just it, it means there's a penalty for it there's it's not guaranteed as, as as easily and whilst we're on the topic of charging i did try to look for this specifically to see if there was any clarification but i personally couldn't notice anything um was there anything that you found that clarified the whole di- like you're taking the shortest route possible with a charge uh, I didn't notice that actually. I mean, hmm. you could. Do you want to have a look at that now and see if that's. Um, yeah, what pages are we. If I go right to the back again, look for charge. I'm sure, I swear I looked this up earlier on anyway, but. Uh, so I've got to wait for the pages to load in. Let's see. Charge, uh, 120. Close combat. Uh, charging prone or out. 
That's the bit I was That's just the talking about one there. Bit that you've yeah. Just right, so. What also means that if they have to rise to face you, so if they're pinned or prone and they have to, they get a minus one on their retaliation hit. Oh right, okay, that's good. Seeing as we're talking about charging, I couldn't find anything in here that specifically stated that you must take the shortest route whilst on a charge to someone, so it's not like you can charge and run around their back and, and get them there. And I thought that that had been clarified in previous editions, so we, we've just had a quick look through the book and we can't find anything that specifically says that here. Obviously, listeners, if you find anything to contradict that once this book has come out, then please let us know. Okay, uh, another change. We get an improved injury table. Aha, yes. Yes. Now, I very much agree with this because one of my thoughts on the injury table throughout the entire time that we've had the modern version is that there were certain things from the original Necromunda back in the 90s that they did away with on the injury table that really shouldn't have been done away with if you ask me and it looks like they've now put some of those back in so i'm actually very happy about this oh yeah no um i think it's it's pluses all the way through for this so the injury table right okay so you don't go into recovery anymore it's been changed to convalescence uh there is recovery as well you can still go into recovery yes. but it's not like it, it the actual process is called convalescence for some reason but anyway yeah, right because you've got a distinction uh, between recovery and, and convalescence convalescence is specifically one where they can't take part in post-battle actions yeah. whereas recovery is one where they can right i believe um, <laughs> okay so coming back from classic Necromunda, we've got impressive scars which uh, we've mentioned several times over several episodes. Yeah. Uh, and Impressive Scars gives you uh, plus one cool, which is good. Um, we get Horrid Scars, which gives you the fearsome trait. Nice. A again, it's a nice effect to kind of gain, and it just really... Anything that shows that things are carried on and have an effect on the on the character is, is great in my book, so that's, that's awesome. Uh bitter enmity which gives you the berserker skill which i think is just phenomenal so yeah. like it's a player's role well, i like the description for that as well because it does feel very much like the old 90s table so like the fighter bears a bitter grudge against the gang that inflicted this injury when fighting a battle against the gang that inflicted this injury the fighter gains the berserk skill if they already had the berserk skill or rolled this result a second time treat it as out cold so yeah that's really cool because again in campaign play there's a strong possibility you're going to run into the same gang at least a couple of times yeah and it gives you that kind of cause and effect thing again so no it's awesome <laughs> i've just seen one on here and it's like we were suffering from this at the end of the last episode <laughs> what's that Which number that? 42 partially deafened <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh another one captured is now uh on the injury table yes so in order to be captured you have to be taken out of action in, to, to trigger it because it's the only way you'd be rolling on the injury table mm. but there is a possibility that you can get out of it because when you first said that to me I'm like what does that mean you're automatically captured just oh, for no, rolling no, no. badly on um, the table you're uh, rolling you're rolling to see if you're captured or not yeah. you're not necessarily ca it's just that that's how it happens as opposed to somebody else performing the action to capture it it's, it's on the injury chart itself yeah. so things like um, if you're 
if when if you were taken out and you were under the webbed condition, you get like a minus two to your recovery roll to see if that you can escape. Yeah. So is that as it's written here now is being captured is I might as well read this bit out just to explain yeah. how it works. So you you roll on the injury table first. You're unfortunate enough to roll the number for being captured. Um, and then it says, uh, after the battle, there is a chance that any, any fighters who have been captured by the opposing gang may be able to slip away whilst being taken away. Which seems like too many uses of the word away there, if you ask me. But uh, capturing enemy fighters, roll a d6 for each friendly fighter that suffered a captured result of 55 to 56 on the table. And then apply the below modifiers. So you get a minus one if the battle was a draw, minus two if the fighter's gang lost the battle, a minus two if the fighter was taken out of action while subject to the web condition, as, as Chris just said. So if the result is a four plus, then the fighter successfully escapes their bonds before being dragged away and goes into convalescence. So the, um, apparently, though, a natural roll of six always results in the captive escaping. Um, otherwise, the fighter has been captured. Make a note in the lasting injury slash captured by box on the gang roster, because they've got one of those specifically now, for the captured fighter, recording the name of the gang who has captured the fighter. So, yeah, it doesn't feel like it's been changed to the point of being broken because I, I when, when you just said that there's something on there that says captured I was like what oh that's that's too much this makes it feel far more reasonable and it gives you like the options to sort of modify those results anyway oh yeah no I think it works better because it, yeah. it, it, you can't just choose to capture as many people as you want in order to get creds like it, it, it's not just people with web guns just walk around there's an extra d whatever times 10 creds for me there's an extra there's an extra there's an extra and previously wasn't it people that anyone who went out of action could potentially be captured well yeah if you had so many kind of depending on how many people were left on the board yeah, wasn't it yeah. Uh, yeah, how many fighters had broken? Because it was and a plus one for each person. I think that you That's had to right, go out yeah. of action, but you could have had some go out of action and be out cold, or you know they they roll a double one, they get eleven, and they're actually gained experience from the, you know, from the whole thing, and they're perfectly yeah. fine on that. But then suddenly they get captured. Whereas with this, it kind of makes a bit more sense. Uh-huh. No, absolutely. Uh, again, it just comes back to that. Yeah, just streamlining and making things tidying and everything up. Everything just seems to look a little smoother in the way it works yeah so whilst there's been some really cool additions to the table to sort of pad it out with with nice bonuses almost even like you know so like the uh, horrid scars and so on you've got the opposite end of this as well which is where you've got the captured as we've just talked about but you've also got multiple injuries so if you roll a 54 now guess what there's a possibility you're going to be rolling a further d3 times on this table yeah that's uh that's going to be horrible on the plus side, you can't roll. Uh, it says literally here that um, if you re-roll, if if you re-roll and you get captured, multiple injuries, memorable death, or, or critical injuries, or out cold, then um, you get to re-roll again. So it, it's, it is really just trying to focus on you getting absolutely mullered and going away with potentially three other actual stat alterations because of horrible, horrible injuries that you've incurred, but it's not trying to wipe you off the board three times. No, no, but it's 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 still potentially quite horrible regardless. Yeah, I mean, imagine like your best Van Sar 
Knight champion gets blasted three times back because it doesn't say you can't roll the same one three times. No. So you so could you... get like ballistic skill three times. Yeah. Oh yeah, it could be absolutely horrific. But when when they've upped the the way you can gain XP, I think it just makes sense to balance that a little. Yeah, with yeah. Kind it, of it works the very nicely get... with that. Yeah. Um, right, okay, um, so generic table of tactics cards, D66 table, um, available for all gangs, as we mentioned, um, and they are generic, so none of the house-specific ones, but, uh... Interestingly featuring Grenade Bouquet. Which was a White Dwarf special, wasn't it? It was either that or an Underdogs one, yeah. I can't remember off the top of my head, but it was one of those two. Yeah, um... Because it's a it's a good little card that I, mm. in fact I think I used that in when I run my iron head. You know, some bastard's going to use it with a vortex grenade as well. <laughs> well, they might as well get the value out of it as a five hundred quids, yeah. quids for a vortex grenade. Yeah, it's the only way to make them <laughs> worth it, really. But yeah, um, I think they're mainly reprints from the original game. Yeah. Uh, again, it's taken time to cross-reference everything. So there's no new ones in there, as far as I'm aware. Again, just another great addition. And also what they've included in here is three uh, possible ways and suggestions to use tactics cards, which is really nice, I think. Yes, um, yeah, and- that was something that I spotted that I thought was awesome. Well, do you want to talk about that quickly? Yeah, 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 very much so. Well, I mean, we've, we've all ended up with the house rules which across a lot of different places all independently they've all come up with the same idea or all gone you know what that idea sounds pretty cool of creating a tactics card deck of a reasonable size normally somewhere between 12 to 20 something like that and then you randomly draw from that and put your cards down for the game but in this case they've not gone for the random draw so much but they have given options for things like creating a deck of cards and then you can like write those down on a blank form that they've left in the book as well so you've then got the option for having them all in one place as a sheet so if you've had to go between like multiple books and you've not got the physical cards you've got a sheet that you can print out now and you can write them all down and you've got that for your campaign and then if you need a random card generated at some point you've got your d66 table down the side already it's a really great um addition i think really kind of just it, it's clarity for kind of because obviously I think every gaming group will probably have their own method for using tactics cards, but just for three distinct options of ways to use them. Oh, just a little bit of tidying up, mate. With um, you can only gain XP for seriously injuring or taking an enemy out of action um, per fighter activation. Mm. So if you caused a serious injury and then an out of action, you'd only get the two for the out of action, not oh, the one for right. a serious so injury. So cause it's a not serious like... injury with one model, then do the out of the action with the other. Is what yeah. we're saying. <laughs> get the yeah. maximum XP. Yeah, absolutely. Rewards. Yeah, get them rapid fires on the go and uh, spray and pray. So yeah, gang tactics selection. I'm going to have to read the descriptions here because mm-hmm. it's, it's quite involved and I've not quite got the ability to summarise this yet. But the, yeah, so the preset method, a custom method or a limited method. And the limited one sounds like a really interesting way of doing a campaign, but we'll come to that in a second. So first of all, you've got a preset method where it says, many supplements contain tables of gang tactics available for gangs to use. The easiest method is for each gang to choose one of these tables and generate all 
of their gang tactics from the one table. So that's going to be you selecting your list out of the tables that are just immediately available. Got the custom method, so it says here this is the standard method for determining the gang tactics pool and allows players to tailor the gang tactics available to them. So at gang creation, players select 18 gang tactics that are either specific to their gang or available to any gang with the following restrictions. Uh, unless specifically stated otherwise, no more than one gang tactic with the same name may be included in the pool. If there are multiple gang tactics with the same name, use the most recent version. Now, I, I know, I think there's one instance where there's a card, or rather two cards, that have the same name but actually have different effects. And I, I don't know if that's going to contradict that particular one there. I can't remember. Gang tactics that require either vehicles or war gear that grants the mounted condition in order to be played can only be included if the campaign includes ash waste battles. So what it then says is to write the names, triggers and benefits of the gang's chosen tactics cards on the table provided. Uh, gang tactics can be randomly determined by rolling a d66. So it's basically what I've said before. So it's gone, alright, pick from the various sources what you want, boom, there you go, stick it on this list, that's you sorted. You can, at the right step in the process, swap out tactics cards. Now that is actually a really good idea because I have been through several campaigns where I've made my deck of however many cards it is and then I've thought afterwards you know what I'm not using these particular cards maybe I'd be better off with something else yeah and obviously it's not something that has ever been discussed as like, well can I switch it out or no you're stuck with those cards for the campaign it's kind of, it's kind of that's how it's understood at least anyway no so having an official yeah, so an, of, an official that, thing yeah. Yeah, that says actually there's timeout points where you can go, actually, I want to swap these out now. So that's really good. So, yeah, that's in the update gang rating step of the post battle sequence. So you can do that. Up to two gang tactics may be swapped out for different gang tactics. And then the limited method. Now, this was the one that I thought was the most interesting. Uh, it says this method makes gang tactics a limited resource where players must choose the time of the biggest impact to play their gang tactics in. This method works best when using the gang tactics cards available from the Games Workshop web store. And it says at gang creation, each player builds a deck of up to 30 gang tactics cards from those available to them following the same restrictions as for the custom method each time a gang tactics card is played it is permanently removed from the gang tactics pool for the remainder of the campaign for the whole campaign um, this means that each gang tactics can only be used once by each gang throughout the entire campaign and the number of gang tactics available to each player will dwindle now, that, that's kind of similar to a method that I came up with a couple of back where you burn the cards as you go through. Although in my one, I was kind enough to go, once you've gone through the whole deck, you can then refresh it. But it, it enforces you in that instance to go through the whole deck so you're not, you know, copping out on a couple of them where you was like, eh, eh, there's now I'm never really going to really use that. I just did that to fill out the deck or whatever. So you have to go through it all and stop relying on your favourite ones. But in this instance, 
30 cards for a whole campaign. Ugh, that would be so difficult. I would be screwed by like two games in because I just have a real like impulse control problem with tactics cards. And I like, use them like so quickly to the point that I've actually capped myself in several games where I've gone, right, you are not using a single tactics card until the second or third round of this game. <laughs> but that is such an interesting way of doing it. Oh, absolutely, um, and that's just one variation. Okay, so the uh, the tactics cards um, distribution method is within the arbitrator tools segment. Now, I know we've had arbitrator tool, tools before. But this is vastly expanded. It's it, it, this is one of the best bits of the book, really. Now, we mentioned that this uh, rule book contains the Dominion campaign. Now, what you get in here is a section called Campaign Variants. Um, and basically, you can switch around and change the way the Dominion campaign plays. So, again, just giving you even more variety. Um, the, the Iron Man campaign. So, it's a Dominion campaign. Uh, you start off with 3,000 creds um, as your starting... Uh, as you're starting creds there's no restrictions on taking brutes or hangers on or dramatis personae um or bounty hunters you can hire them at creation uh there's you can visit the trading post and the black market uh regardless of uh rarity or illegality you just basically buy whatever you can get hold of um the only restrictions there is that fighter types are still restricted to their weapon restrictions so you can't just chuck a plasma cannon on a juve yeah etc um and then leaders start the campaign with 15 xp champions uh with 10 and each other fighter gets 6 xp which was starting um, to sound like some of the rules that we'd come up with like for the Sumpcon uh, set, where you give out a certain amount of skills and uh, stat boosts. Yeah, um, in fact, they've done that in the Skirmish campaign, uh, Skirmish games uh, rules here. They've, they've, they've added the extra experience slash skills on for those as well. Yeah. So very much operates like, yeah, like a, a weekend campaign, kind of, the, the, the rules that yeah you'd put in place in order for characters to kind of bring more in than just the base level. Yeah, make it feel like um, a lived-in gang. Yeah. Um, the territories are determined as normal and then they're divided up randomly between the players so that all territories are claimed. Um, you don't use house agents, house favours or alliances. Um and during the pre post uh, the pre battle sequence, um, you don't use hired guns or anything like that, uh, because obviously you've already taken them on, um, and essentially, you go for your campaign. There's no weeks, phases, or downtime. It's just fight until there's only one gang left able to field fighters. It, 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 you can't go to the trading post again you can't you, the only thing you can do is go to the docks but that's even got a limited kind of result Ooh, so if you yeah. Yeah, uh, last an injury so instead of the last injury table you get a d6 result of 1 to 3 is out cold 4 to 5 is critical injury and 6 is memorable death and that's it 
so it's just it's giving you like <laughs> the gangs that they're most powerful starting them all off like on just ridiculously uber gangs and then just throwing them at each other until there's one gang left standing which i just think is really cool it's the highlander of necromunda campaign <laughs> there can be only one exactly and um, another one that i've really I, I think this could be quite fun the classic campaign so it's a look back at the original necromunda yeah. um and for all those people who think that maybe the iron man sounds like too much it's you know because i know a lot of people react negatively to some of the access we have to weapons and things like that well this is this is for those people of just for people who want to try necromunda on a little bit more of a harder setting yeah yeah so a classic necromunda campaign um you create your gang you, you know you don't get armor so you're still paying the same price for each fighter but there's no armor included in the costs for anyone um, you can't use hangers-on or brutes or gang tactics. All battles take place in the underhive. That means you can't have mounts or vehicles and uh, you don't get the extra creds for spending on them. Mm-hmm. Um, you can never have more than two heavy and or special weapons at any time. I think that's great. Yeah. Really makes you think about your gang, really makes you think about your loadout. Um so you've either got a heavy and a special or two heavies or two specials and that's it no exceptions um the seek rare equipment actions also been changed so you roll a d6 uh, on a one or two you get a weapon and then you roll a d6 again and that's uh, a one or two is a basic weapon three is a pistol four is a special weapon five is heavy weapon six is close combat weapon uh, if you roll a three to four then it's a war gear you roll a d6 one's a grenade two's gang equipment three's personal equipment four's weapon accessory five status item uh, six is exotic beast or if you roll a five to six that's armor and you roll a d6 one to six armor and it's uh, sorry one to five is armor and one to six uh, sorry and six is field armor what i like about that is that's almost representative of a random trader rolling through the area yeah and it just happens to be what they've got there it might be that you go mm, well i really wanted some armor to put on these guys and he goes well all i've got's a pistol yeah <laughs> no it is that cool or oh, and another note on armor flak armor and mesh armor uh changed to rare 10 as well all right so really common. yeah yeah so again there's no um oh and it introduces the optional rules which we're going to cover just after this uh unreliable weapons hail of bullets wild grenades and shells and exploding weapons we will come back to that because that's some really fun stuff but there are other campaign variants so you've got old kingdoms um do do you want to quickly fly through these Uh, Um, i think if we describe all of them we will be here for quite some time so yeah as you quite rightly said we've got old kingdoms we've got another one called into the unknown we've got an escalation campaign which sounds really interesting but you're gonna have to get out of the book if you want to see what it says <laughs> um dome rush uh last gang standing hive empires which was another interesting one to read about because again you start with a really high powerful gang and it's all about the sort of the collecting of territories over time um but it's got some interesting mechanics to it 
Nomads of the Underhive was one I really like the looks of because it mm-hmm. starts with a really low level. It's the opposite of these OP, like powerful starting gangs that we've yeah. seen. It's a starting of 700 credits um, for the gang rather than the usual 1,000. And then there's, again, there's various other sort of restrictions to make it more sparse and scarce and things like that. Yeah. Um, so you've really got to scavenge for stuff in that one. And then you've got Helmar's War as well. Uh, uh, then it covers also, in addition to all of those like campaign variations that you've got there, perpetual campaigns, and it's got some thoughts on how to keep those running as well. So there is a lot, a lot of campaign play options in here, which is going to keep it fresh for a very long time. I mean, even if you literally just turned around and said, okay, let's take each one of these and run a different campaign for each one of these variants. What's a standard campaign? Seven weeks, isn't it? So I think you'd have most of your year covered if you played Necromunda constantly throughout the year. Yeah. No, it's 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 impressive. It's it's a lot of a lot of moving parts in there to play around with. Yeah. Um to come back to the optional special rules that we talked about mm, earlier yeah. that uh, you include in the um classic campaign. Now again, this is a way of addressing um certain weapons that might be perceived too high tech or too OP or whatever and and it's if you want to kind of add a little more challenge to your um campaign you've got exploding weapons so um the majority of the weapons found in the underhive are relatively low quality and very few indeed are well maintained by their owners it's hardly surprising that malfunctions have happen often so um if all guns are unreliable and dangerous if you roll a natural one when making an ammo test in addition to the weapon being out of ammo you must immediately roll a d6 on a two plus nothing towards happens on a natural one the weapon explodes (laughs) when the weapon explodes it's destroyed removed from the fighter's card so that's gone Uh, in addition the fighter immediately suffers a hit from the destroyed weapon um, and if it has multiple projectiles um, for different ammo t- uh, profiles, sorry, for yeah. different ammo types or firing modes, it's based upon the one that you are using currently. Um, unreliable weapons. This is where you're more likely to run out of ammo, so it's an increase on the uh, just your standard ammo die. Yeah. Uh, hail of bullets. So this works with the unreliable weapons rule. Um, when making a hit roll for a weapon that has the rapid fire trait, the player can choose to um, fire a single shot or sustained burst. So you're getting that kind of uh, the the different ammo, uh, different firing modes that you get on automatic rifles. Uh, if you choose a single shot, um, the weapon you fire the weapon as normal, but you don't roll the firepower dice. Um, the weapon you'll only obviously fire once. Yeah. Um, if you choose to sustain burst, you roll a number of fire dice, uh, firepower dice equal to the rapid fire trait of the weapon. Each bullet hole rolled on the dice is a separate shot, and a hit roll should be made for each. Um, and shots can be dis- uh, distributed as described in the rules for distributing hits with rapid fire. Um, and then a lot of people complain that. Uh, you can kind of pretty much put a template anywhere when you're throwing grenades and stuff. Yeah. It's very much like I'm putting that there, I'm putting that there. Uh, wild grenades and shells count as that. Um, it's a way to make um, grenades and all blast weapons less accurate uh, as well as more dangerous to use. 
um, and it's just a chart showing you how uh, <laughs> that things might go wrong. So on a D6 roll, um, if a hit is rolled on the scatter dice, uh, you leave it is and you work out the effects as normal. But if you roll the arrow on the scatter dice, you're rolling a D6 yeah. uh, plus the fighter's ballistic skill. Um, and basically a D6, um, and that suggests the scatter distance. But if you roll a natural one, um, then something's gone wrong. Roll on the table, and the options are, um, one, the grenade goes off in the thrower's hand or the shell explodes in the weapon's <laughs> breach. God. Place the blast marker directly over the fighter and work out damage as normal. Uh, two, the grenade thrown goes wild or the shell spins out of control as it leaves the weapon. The projectile travels 2d6 in a random direction for the fighter and explodes. Uh, number three, uh, the grenade travels 2d6 in a random direction from the fighter and explodes. A shell fired from the weapon travels to uh, d6 times d6 yeah. in a random direction uh, from the fighter <laughs> and explodes. Yeah. Um, four, not only does the grenade go wild or the shell spin out of control, uh, but the projectile itself is faulty. The projectile travels due to hit D6 in a random direction from the fighter and lands. Mark the position of the projectile from now on at the start of each end, end phase. Roll a D6 on a four. The projectile explodes. So you've got like this this random unexploded shell just sat there. And everyone's like, oh, fucking hell, I need to get there. I can't get there. I don't want to do a dare. Do a dare. Uh, so, yeah, like, just, the bomb of Necromander? Yeah, just excellent. Yeah, you just imagine the little worms. Hooray! <laughs> <laughs> uh, five, the grenade fumbles from the thrower's hand uh, down a deep crack into the ground uh, or the shell spins upwards and strikes the dome roof. There's a muffled explosion. The ground shakes ominously or chunks start to fall from the roof uh, and... Uh, and tall ruins. From now on, at the start of each end phase, both players must roll a d6. If a player rolls a 1, then a randomly determined fighter from their crew has been hit by de debris and takes a strength 3 um, so that's damage 1 hit. So that's 2d6 potentials for rolling a 1, and then it's a random fighter from that that person's crew. Yeah, oh, That's horrible. It's, yeah, it's <laughs> excellent. Uh, and then 6, the grenade or shell drops onto the floor in front of the fighter and fizzes ominously for a while. But little else happens. It's a dud. Yeah. Let's hope uh, they wore brown pants that day. Yeah. Um, you got hive yeah. dwellers as well, haven't you? Yeah, hive dwellers. So I think we did have this in another book, which is nice to see it all here. So essentially, um, you can just throw as many hives as you want into a scenario. One of my dreams is to have a, a board that's populated by actual just NPCs yeah. and it's the mechanics for that it's, uh, it's a just a basic stat really, line yeah <laughs> essentially um, uh, very limited to like they can only uh, low quality cheap items so like auto pistol clubs fighting knives and other such common weapons that they can use um, yeah uh, any number of hive <laughs> Don't dwellers give your hive dwellers a thread needle <laughs> Thread needle worms, no, <laughs> or um, what you call them, the disintegrating guns. Oh, God, or, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the disintegration rays. Uh, and then we've got uh, all the underdogs uh, to help kind of 
um, gangs that are struggling there. So you've got the underdog tactics um, and the uh, the house patronage rules to kind of give flagging gangs a bit of a boost. Uh, house favours, subplots, um, and then arbitrate specific scenarios, which are the three I mentioned earlier, the yeah. ghast harvest, shootout, and murder cyborg and multiplayer yeah. scenario. Yeah, the pit fight. Really nice scenarios, actually, those ones. I, oh, excellent. Lots of fun. Excellent. So, I mean, that is the vast majority of it. I think there's a couple of other scattergun points that we noticed in here, which aren't really good or bad. It's just, oh, we spotted this thing. And one of the things I did spot was that um, the rat skin map, as it's been previously known, is now a dome runner map. So I think that might be putting a final nail in the coffin for the old rat skin gangs there. But, you know, maybe that's not such a bad thing. No, I think, um, it, if anything... It's gonna kind of, yeah. It's kind of an unofficial, official way of saying, look, this they're not, they're not coming back. Is 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 what I would take that to mean. They're going to slowly um, fade away into the ash wastes now. I mean, we know that they're in, um, they're referenced in the law, but yeah, the fact that they've changed a piece of equipment would, I can't see any other reason for them to do that. Yeah. Um, then, as we also mentioned way earlier on, now um, the you know the house specific items and traits and things aren't in there, so you won't have phase in here. Uh, there's no details for layered flak uh, armor, which is you know a tie to the enforcers and things like that. Um, so yeah, that, that, that's fair though. I think because if you want to play as a particular gang, you still need to get that gang's book, and it yeah. will be in there. But at least it means you're not jumping between three or four different books looking for something. Now it's either that book, your gang book, or this rule book. Yeah, exactly that. Um, as we said, uh, trade and post is in here. It's comprehensive. It includes all of the um stuff from book of peril um basically all of the books is all condensed into one place except house um specific weapons yeah. and ammo types a uh, really nice little touch is just being able to look grenade launcher and it's got all of the grenade ammo directly listed underneath it all of the weapon profiles that that offers um, the same with shotguns, etc. No digging through multiple books again. This it, it, essentially, it's just a quality of life um, improving book on on every level with regards to yeah managing a gang, uh, managing a campaign. Yeah, yeah. Um, another scattergun point is that you've got hacked cyber mastiffs and necromundan giant rats shown in here, uh, which again was previously just scattered across other books, which is just really nice to see, because especially with like the giant rats, they're 50 credits each, so they're a really nice pet to take if you've not got any like really cool elaborate house ones that you want to run with or your house ones are too expensive because like i'm thinking of the sump croc particularly you know it's a nice thing to have but it's a lot of credits to invest in so it's giving you those options all here again in the one book and uh, rather than having to hunt around for it which i just really like yeah so obviously that includes the other non-gang specific ones like grapple hawk greg's cat um uh what you call it, the caryatid. Yeah, caryatids in there as well. Yeah. No, it's... Um, I mean, I think, really, it's a lot of what we have already seen put into one comprehensive book, and it does appear to be 
comprehensive. A um, couple of nice pages in there of different studio members' gangs, um, which is nice to see, yeah. uh, with a little bit of blurb about the kind of way they approached building their gang and, and playing it in, in, in a nice picture of them all well converted and painted up uh, and really the the last thing is a round summary so just a nice big kind of quick reference so what would be the the, the reference sheets that you would get in the, the game it's just a, another way of um, yeah just just another version of that like looks slightly extent I think it's across three pages now as a close as opposed to two so that might be something you either want to print out or just like have this book as as that uh, as that quick reference yeah so there's probably other things that we've made notes on that we've missed as we've got through this or there's probably also things that we've not even spotted yet as we've looked through these books either subtle little changes or hopefully hopefully no typos anyway <laughs> I've not spotted one yet but that doesn't mean there's not any um, but you know, I, th- I think overall we're at the point of just final thoughts on this and I think it's pretty much the same thoughts as we had going into this whole thing in the first place which is that this is a really good book um, I personally think that if you are getting into Necromunda or you've been in it for a while and you're just a bit I don't know, almost disillusioned with the number of books you've got to keep going through and you want to try and streamline things a little bit this is definitely going to be a good place to start Oh, definitely Um I think for anyone who regularly runs campaigns, it's pretty much a must-buy. Oh, especially with all those editions, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, For anyone coming into the game, it's essential. So, yeah, definitely get it. Um, For other people who are thinking, oh, it's another book to buy, you don't need it. You could just play the way you're playing. Um, You will be missing out on a really kind of awesome Arbitrator toolkit. I think that sells the book on its own merit. Um, the generic tactics cards are a big one for me but you will be missing out on the changes to the experience table and the way that you can spend experience and the injury table which I think they all seem like improvements to me so if you want to take advantage of that it's worth picking up I've no idea how much this is going to be I'm guessing around 45 quid something like that i think that's how much rule books usually are yeah um, probably probably about somewhere between like 30, 30 35 to 45 i reckon as a, as a yeah. broad <laughs> broad range yeah but just overall positive um feelings from reading it i'm i'm really i'm really impressed at the way they've kind of tied everything up i don't know what this means for going forward it feels like they've said right we've isolated the core rules they're all here anything going forward is expansion essentially so we've got the last book of the Aranthian succession to tie up um and if we look at the infographic they gave us for the roadmap although the timings are all out on it yeah we've got i have selene at some point haven't we oh no i mean for the um remember at the end of last year before we got the first Aranthian succession book dropped mm. before in fact before we got um ash wastes dropped so we got ash you could see on the it's like all blacked out it's a box then three books and then a box oh the roadmap one yeah yeah i totally now, forgot about that if i'm honest so we've got ash wastes which is the the, the first box mm-hmm. and then we've got three books which we can assume is the aranthian succession yeah 
and then we've got another box at the end of that this feels like it's kind of outside of that so they're not trying to suggest that this is like the next big thing yeah this is it's just tidying this, everything up in yeah the that's exactly what it feels like it's like we're, we're 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 tidying everything up we're putting it all in like one neat kind of concise place and then we look at where we're going um moving forward necromander in space or necromander on the high seas yeah uh, either all do me yeah <laughs> but no uh, hats off to the team who put this together like i'm assuming it's taken lots of individuals and it can't have been a straightforward kind of just copy and paste uh, with all the new stuff in there as well someone's got to go through and check for those typos <laughs> yeah absolutely and if anybody's got like a few thousand missing eps and eyes anywhere yeah. <laughs> um, can you send them to me and steve because i think we know wherever they're from Right, well, I think that wraps that up nicely. So then, listeners, there you go. That's our thoughts on the new core rulebook that's going to be coming out for Necromunda. We're going to have a short break in the tune if you're listening to us on Spotify, and then we'll be back with your letters. Hello dear listener, I'm Brother Johns, a representative from the Hurting Guild of Hive Primus, and faithful servant of House Cardor. Know that we pray for your immortal soul and that the blessings of the God Emperor may shine upon you. You are listening to Some City Radio, the most revered of all Underhive Radio transmissions. That's right, motherfucker. Welcome back listeners, and now it's time for your letters. It's your letters, it's your letters, it's your letters, it's your letters. Your letters is your opportunity to write to us, send us a voicemail, or generally scream into the void and hope that it reaches us so that we read it out uh, in a broadcast. Uh, We've only got one for this uh, particular broadcast, and that's down to the length of the actual letter itself so uh okay so we've got um an epic here uh by uncle fred if i offend anyone with these accents bear in mind that they've been stipulated within the instructions of the letter (laughs) so uh yeah please don't come at me Dear Sub City Radio, I cannot give you my real name for reasons that will later become obvious, but you may call me Uncle Fred. Before we go further, I should tell you that I'm not actually a resident of Ith Primus at all. You see, with a little bit of modificating, it is possible to pick up your broadcasts on the old Gellapox Vox network. Turns out, <laughs> some sea radio is very popular here in Vostrov Hive, and especially where I reside in the Grand Principality of Dumpton. Actually, I like the, uh, the Cockney rhyming slang, Gellapox for Vox, there. Yeah. I'm writing to you because it's a bit far for me to travel to Primus to record a pub tale. However, I have something that a certain Goliath Hive celebrity would be very keen to have back and the medium of oral broadcasting uh, sorry, the medium of oral broadcasting might be the best way to reach said celebrity. To uh, give I'm you, starting to understand why this is a long one now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to give you a bit of context, I am a respected road sergeant of House Orlock and my gang patrols the southwest side of Dumpton, where the Costa del Sump meets the Sand Ocean. This particular incident occurred during the downtime in a hidden Delac bar near the intersection of Playa dos Muertos, the wrong beach. 
Now I know what you're thinking. But Uncle Fred, what's an all lot like you doing in a Dalek bar? Well, you see, my little secret is that I am very into Dalek women. Something about their pale, bald heads and eyes that don't convey any emotion just sets my heart pounding and all four of my ghoulies tingling. Right, okay. The rest of the gang don't know, apart from Chicken Feet Charlie, who also happens to be quite the pervert. (laughs) (laughs) To get to the bar, you used to, and it has changed since, have to go through a secret entrance in the kitchen of the Cray Ray's Rat and Rib restaurant. Easy enough, when they take your order, you say, actually, I've already eaten, I'm here to see the governor. And then they take you through the back and open the giant Zmeg fridge door, and there you are, the greatest place in all Dumpton, Zucchini's Delac Jazz Club. You will never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. And it is perfect, strictly no cold or policy. The girls are incredible, the jazz music is live from the Model nodes, and they are mutant-friendly, so chicken feet can safely get his feet out <laughs> <laughs> and the drinks are pointless frag the Z Stacks Delac gang run the show so I'm always sure to keep on my second best behaviour get it the jazz club is popular with celebs hedonists and what we do types but best of all, Zadina, the love of my lines, works there behind the bar. So, end of cycle, me and Chicken Feet says our latest to the gang, and we go straight to Zucchinis. Reluctantly, I hand my conspicuous weapons to the two Z-Stacks brutes on the door and head inside with my little poultry friend. It's busy this evening, but I see a few familiar faces at least, and old Herbie is glued to his usual seat next to the stage, and I promise Ernest the shot girl that I will buy one of her shots later. The place is swarming with Z-Stacks and mutants, as you'd expect, but I'm surprised to see a large number of Goliaths in here. Chicken feet goes to do whatever it is he does, useless cluck, and I to the bar. <laughs> there she is, Zadina. We lock eyes and it's like she sees me for who I really am, like she somehow sees deep into my soul. I'm nearly at the bar, just a few more paces and I'll be ordering and watching her expertly pour beverages for my immediate consumption. All of a sudden, I've spun round violently and I find myself staring directly at some very defined abdominal muscles. You're in my spot, motherfucker! Says the Goliath instinctively, I thumb the activation switch on my shock ram knuckle. I'll punch through his bird nest and rip out his heart in a tiddly wink of an eye. I consider using, do you know what nemesis means? Decide against it, rhetorical questions never work well on Goliaths. Balls, now there are four other stimmers surrounding me and I really like coming to this bar. Frack's sake! You deaf scummer, I said you're in my spot. The Goliath repeats, pushing me with some force. I look up and I'm very to see fitty creds at a sum side six. This is really good. Yeah. <laughs> I look up and I'm very surprised to see fitty creds at a sum side sixes looking down at me. Now I'm not into that hivety hop rap and crap that all the Jews are listening to this phase, but even I can recognise Bustin' Eyes or LL Cruel J. It's definitely fitty creds. <laughs> Fucking genius. Yeah. Uh, what a story that would be. Uncle Fred punches out Fiddy Cred's art and then gets stamped to death by the sixes. I decide in this moment that I'm better off to live another day. 
Yeah, right you are, me old lemon squeezer, I says, and I reluctantly <laughs> step back. They turn the massive backs to me and return to their Aristotle's of ping pong tiddly. <laughs> what? <laughs> ping pong tiddly. Aristotle's of ping pong What? <laughs> right, okay, right. Uh, they turn their massive backs to me and return to their Aristoteles of ping pong tiddly. Now, as much as I eat chicken feet, Charlie, and his disgusting feet, and they are disgusting, he did prove useful in this moment. A loud squawk is heard from across the bars, a beautiful Dalak phantom as Charlie ran the billy goat, and it's threatening to disembowel him. Turns I'm, out. I've got to stop you at this point. I am starting to suspect that chicken feet Charlie is just actually a giant chicken. Yeah. He's like a cross between family. Family guy and animaniac. It's chicken boo, isn't it? Might chicken well boo, yeah. You're a chicken boo. <laughs> you wear a disguise to look like human guy, yeah. but you're not a man. You're, you're a chicken, chicken boo. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out Z-Stex have a no touching without prior payment rule on a scabby with six breasts. The Goliath glance up <laughs> to have a butcher's of what the commotion is. I take some of my chance while the chicken is being choked. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> dive my hand into Finny's skyrocket and pull out a little slip of paper over the mic host fingering down announces that we have a special guest performing tonight the Goliaths get up and enter the stage I'll make myself invisible and back away slowly to the door I open the paper it's a deal it's a steal it's a sale of the fragging century I've just nabbed this lyric cheek sheet the music starts. Fiddy Creds looks frightened. Like he has lost something important, maybe. He says nothing and glares at the crowd. The music stops. The crowd boos and hisses and throws pissy bottles at the stage. In rage, he crushes the head of old Herbie. That's fucking it. The old Ringo goes silent and perhaps 20 concealed pistols are aimed at Fiddy. I quickly leave as the shouting starts. Chicken feet is being battered up by the whistle of flutes outside when I hear the shots firing. Come on, Charlie, stop flirting with the Ogrins and freaking run! <laughs> so here we are. Oh, yeah, Fiddy Cred's lyrics. And I know he wants them back. Beating all up, I didn't need the moolah. But I would have it that Mr. Fiddy pays some city radio 0.025 bit creds as ransom. And to prove <laughs> that ain't some elaborate tale made up just to get on the radio, I have included the lyrics below. You, Chris and Steve, can now be in charge of them. Don't worry, quite safe to read out loud or play over the radio. Not Goliath is smart enough to record a show. <laughs> Uncle Fred. Fuck me, Uncle Fred. That was a pièce de résistance. Absolutely oh, brilliant. Good. But <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'll just uh... there's a there's a rap. So oh, I'm God. very aware that I'm a white British man attempting to do a rap in the style of a West Coast rapper. So anyone I offend, I massively apologise. <laughs> Oh, I'm gonna have to try and find some uh, rap music, like some generic. I want you to beatbox in the background right now. <laughs> so you need to do. Okay, so straight out of Compton, crazy motherfucking named Lee Juve. Straight out of Compton, crazy motherfucking named Lee Juve. 
You know the Goliath's rock and Goliath's roll this Goliath shit from this prime as hell hole. Cause Goliath's ride and Goliath's stride. Our eyes kept wide in the under hive. Cause Goliath's move and Goliath's prove. A Goliath jewel got, got nothing, nothing to, to lose. lose. A Goliath lives, a Goliath dies, a Goliath forms a gang. And the gang multiplies. Gangs don't give a fuck and don't ask why. Goliaths don't snitch and Goliaths don't cry. Goliaths boogie, Goliaths don't dance. Goliaths will pull the stub out of his pants and blast. <laughs> Goliaths don't run and Goliaths don't hide. I'm a gangster Goliath from the Primus West Side. <laughs> That's how I know exactly what a Goliath do, and if you love this shit, you must be that born too. Crowd cheers, and I make creds at least 50. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we did forget the four times yeah at the beginning there. Fred, you're amazing. Well, you know what? I, I almost feel like we need to do that again, or release yeah. that as a separate thing. Your letter so, was incredible, uh, and the rap. Like we'll do, we'll do. You know what? Yeah, we'll do that as a separate thing for the Patreons. We'll do a proper, full-on version of that with music and like Beastie Boys uh, additional lyric, <laughs> like backing vocals and shit. Yeah, yeah, that's got to be that's that's perfection. That letter and song is perfection. Oh, yeah, that's so, so good. Much. Only one letter. But what a fucking letter. So good. Yeah, thank you so much for sending that in. <laughs> oh, right. I've literally got tears in my eyes. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting in <laughs> Right, moving on then. Let's, let's wrap this special episode up. So, Patreons that have joined us since the, the last episode was put out. So, uh, thank you very much to these lovely people for supporting us. Uh, three ogres in a trench coat. Thank you very much. Uh, Marcus Cloud, cheers. And Overlord Bleak, thank you again for supporting us. Um, obviously, it, uh, you know you know the blurb by this point, people. It really does help us to create the show by having this support, so thank you. Right, yeah. moving on from that. Competitions. Well, it's only been, like, what, two weeks since we announced the last competition? Nobody was expecting an episode two weeks after the last one, given that, what, the break for the one before that was, what, six months? So, uh, yeah, we'll not announce that right now, but just to give you a reminder of what said competition is, it is the Create a Relic competition. So you need to give us a name of your relic, a little bit of blurb about the relic, and what the in-game effect of your relic is there are posts on discord on the facebook page and what was the other one uh, it's on instagram, instagram as well as but well. that is just directing you elsewhere you can leave a comment there if you think you can get it within the comment limit yeah uh, but we've also got one on threads as well yeah that new thing that's been set up as a competition for twitter so mm-hmm. it's, it's all on those you can apply on any of those platforms we will take all of them into account uh, when we pick a winner out and if you want an example of what we're looking for, we've got Chris's one that he put up on the Discord. <laughs> and Chris can't win, so he might as well read his one out. Right, so the accursed voicemail of St. Karen, the, was it Coiford? Uh, 
Quaffered. Quaffered. An ancient message trapped in a vox caster said to predate the Imperium. The meaning of the words are nigh untranslatable, being, of course, a rudimentary precursor to low Gothic and copied again and again. Transferred from device to device, but whoever this great woman was, she was not happy with Rudy, who must have been an abominable villain, given the venom with which St. Karen lampasts the devil. Uh, Once per battle, the voxcaster may be attached to a loudspeaker and the ancient war cry I want to speak to the manager whatever that means <laughs> bellows across the arena of combat reducing even the mightiest stimmer to a weak kneed mess of quivering fear all unfriendly fighters must make a automatic double move to get behind the gang leader or as close to this as possible they must not block line of sight from the bearer of the relic to the unfriendly leader in fear of Karen's wrath. All fighters who moved must remove their ready marker. <laughs> it's good, but it's not right, because <laughs> you can't win one of our competitions, and you've already got the book! So- I know, but I just wanted to do an example, yeah. basically, for people. And obviously, <laughs> no relic's going to be so powerful as to take the ready marker from the, the entire, entire gang. gang. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, yeah, it's a really good example, though. So you've, you've got your name in there, you've got the blurb, and then you've got the actual effect for it. And the prize for that, just to confirm, as I did allude to there, is a copy of the Vaults of Temenos, uh, which has been supplied in conjunction with Dell, my partner, telling me to buy it, and a very decent prize that we got from Tabletop Events. So uh, cheers, Tabletop Events, for that one. But, yeah, write, write in on any of those social medias, leave your answer to that one, and hopefully you might win it. Um, that is open to everyone across the whole world. It's not just a UK thing. We will post that book out to you. It's already been purchased and it is in English. So just to, to be you know, full disclosure on that one. Uh, okay, other than that, it is thank yous and acknowledgements. So just thank you to Games Workshop for the copy of the updated rulebook. <laughs> or salacious Paul, depending on which one you believe there. Yeah, I mean, awesome of them. And yeah, it's really good to be able to kind of keep ahead of things. So thanks very much. And obviously a massive thanks to uh, Uncle Fred for that just <laughs> epic letter. Please, please write in more, Uncle Fred. That's most welcome. Yeah, awesome stuff. Right, okay, so no shenanigans for the end of this one. So we are just simply going... And no bass playing on this either. So we're just going to simply say thank you for listening and goodbye. Bye, listeners. You've been listening to Sump City Radio. Join us next time for more hijinks in the hive and all things Necromunda. Remember to subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. If you want to get more involved, join our growing Facebook community page. Just remember to answer all the damn questions. Do you want your letter read out on the show? Email us at sumpcityradio at gmail.com. And if your raids have been successful and you've plenty of creds to spare, why not toss a cred to your DJ over at our Patreon page, www.patreon.com forward slash sumpcityradio. Every little bit helps support the show. And thank you for listening. This is the one, the only, Sumpsy Radio. 
Sump City Radio is a registered associate of the Hertzian Guild of Hive Primus and adheres to all communication laws decreed by Lord Halmar.